Good morning. Greetings in Jesus' name to each one this morning. I uh, have appreciated the worship service so far. I uh, got a call from Brother Evan last week and uh, uh, wondered whether uh, he was uh, feeling under the weather and I wondered whether I would uh, preach for him. And at first I thought I probably would, but uh, decided that I couldn't hardly do it. I had a bad cough and, and uh, still got a little bit of it. I, uh, I'm under instructions to uh, cover my mouth if I have to cough up here, but uh, so I'll I'll try and do that. If I uh, don't, uh, just count it as one of my weaknesses. <clears throat> that all in the past, you know. Uh, we have an amazing book here, and and the reason is because it has an amazing author. And uh, it's, a, it's a rare privilege that I have this morning to share with you from this book. I, <clears throat> I heard a, a story not too long ago about uh, a certain brother who uh, was being interviewed. And uh, they asked him in this interview uh, a question about politics. And he answered uh, simply and plainly, that's not my kingdom. And uh, that kind of caught my attention. And this morning, I'm going to preach to you about our kingdom. Uh, it is, uh, it's a, a strange kingdom. It, uh, somebody described it as the upside down kingdom, and we know where that come from, where... Uh, the uh, evangelists were preaching in a certain place and somebody described them as those fellows that are turning the world upside down. And that, that's, uh, that's really what our job is, isn't it? To, uh, in effect, turn the world upside down, but really what we're doing is turning it right side up, I guess. <clears throat> what I'm going to try to do this morning is uh, define our kingdom and... Uh, then describe the right of initiation into it or how you get into our kingdom. And then I'll like to look a little at some of its effects. Now, uh, you don't get very far in the New Testament until you start uh, reading in the book of Matthew about the kingdom of heaven. And then uh, you read on and you read about the kingdom of God and, and the terms are used interchangeably. Okay, now there, there might be some shades of difference there and I'm not going to dwell on those this morning. Okay, I, I'm, I'm considering it all as one, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. I'm not a theologian, I'm a preacher here this morning, okay? <coughs> In uh, the fourth chapter of Matthew, and in verse 17, Jesus uh, said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he was saying it's imminent. It's right here close. And so uh, the first thing that uh, I'd like to say to you is that the kingdom of God is close to us. Uh, it's imminent. And then in uh, the book of Luke, in uh, the uh, 
17th chapter, verses 20 and 21, and I'm going to read that from my notes here. The kingdom of God comes not with observation, neither shall they say, lo here or lo there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. And Or you could quote from some other translations, among you or around you. So uh, that defines it again. And from that we say it's a spiritual kingdom. Not, uh, it's not like the rest of the kingdoms of the world. Or, and this is, one of, this is probably my favorite kingdom scripture. John 18, 36. Jesus was in Pilate's judgment hall and Pilate was quizzing him. And he was asking him about uh, why he was here and, and uh, Pilate knew something about uh, the Jews and he knew something about uh, our Lord, but he asked some questions. And so Jesus in answering in John 18 and verse 36 said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. And that really, to me, puts the kingdom into perspective real well. The Jews accused Jesus of uh, plotting a rebellion. And Pilate understood uh, Jesus' answer when he said, my kingdom is not of this world. He understood the Jews too. They, he knew, uh, one of the gospels said he knew they had, they had delivered Jesus because of envy. And uh, now he says uh, to the Jews when he heard Jesus speak, he heard his uh, words, my kingdom's not of this world, my servants don't fight to keep me from be- being delivered to the Jews. He said he's not guilty. He's not guilty of uh, rebellion. He's not guilty of insurrection. He hadn't done that. Pilate saw right through that. Then the disciples, uh, a little later, uh, in the book of Acts and in the fourth, fifth chapter, the uh, disciples had been put into the common prison because the Jews didn't like what they were teaching and how they were healing people and how the kingdom was spreading. They were afraid they were losing things, and so they uh, put the disciples into the common prison and went to get them out the next day, and uh, in the meantime, uh, the disciples had gotten out, uh, an angel had come and taken them out of the prison and told them to go, go to the temple and start teaching, teach about this life. And so the uh, officers went to get the disciples out of the prison. They said, we found the prison doors locked and we found the keepers standing in front of the prison doors, and, but there was nobody in. And the, the uh, Sanhedrin uh, was all gathered together and uh, they didn't uh, know what was going to happen now. And then pretty soon somebody comes and says, those men you had in prison, they're in the temple teaching. Well, and so they brought the disciples in and started 
quizzing them and didn't we tell you you're not supposed to teach in this name, the name of Jesus? Remember what the disciples said? We ought to obey God rather than men. We must obey Jesus Christ rather than men. So the Lord, uh, the Lord guides his kingdom. He's in charge of what happens. Jesus' followers for 250 years after the start of the church took no part in government or the military, essentially. There might have been a, a few by that time, but almost none. For 250 years. And so uh, after that, it was beginning to apostatize slowly. There was uh, beginning to be some... Uh, less than less than uh, christian there was some uh, some apostasy now let's go back to the old testament and turn with me to daniel second chapter and daniel has some interesting things to say about the kingdom in verses 34 and 35 it it, it tells here of the dream that nebuchadnezzar had he called the wise man in and he said, uh, uh, I had a dream. Uh, I want you to tell me what my dream was and then I want you to tell me what it meant. And the wise man said, King, that's impossible. Nobody can do that. And they were right. Nobody could. But uh, when it came to Daniel and his three friends, Daniel said, let's pray. Uh, and they told the uh, the uh, whatever he was, uh, their uh, uh, ruler, the prison keeper, uh, give us a little time. There's a God in heaven that can take care of this kind of thing. And so they prayed to God, and and Daniel was blessed with a with a vision of what this this uh, dream was. And so he went to the king. And he told the king about uh, what this vision was, this, this huge idol that, uh, or this uh, uh, this image, okay? You, you saw a great image, and it describes, first of all, this head of gold, which was Babylon, identified for us. And then there was the silver, which was uh, the Medes and the Persians. We know that from uh, what Daniel says later and from what we know about the kingdoms. And then uh, came the kingdom of Greece, which was uh, down to the uh, hips. And then came Rome, the kingdom of Rome. And now I'd like to start reading at verse uh, 34. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet, which were of iron and clay, and break them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, the gold, broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer thrashing floors and the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image, 
became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Uh, turning on down in that same chapter to verses 44 and 45, let's read those. And in, tho- in the days of those these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. The dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. Now, we have this picture, and there are several things that we can get from that. It talks about the stone cut out without hands, and that immediately puts, a, puts the whole thing into the spiritual realm. It was divinely done, okay? There, there were no, there were no uh, rock hammers or anything like that. It was done by God. It was done in the spiritual realm. And so it's spiritual, not earthly. This kingdom is a kingdom that is spiritual. Number two, it began in the days of the Roman Empire. It talks of uh, the iron and the clay and so on, and that was uh, the Roman Empire. Third, all the earthly kingdoms became like chaff. Now, uh, when I was a boy, and since already too, you go into a wheat field and you pick a, a head of wheat and you rub it in your hands like this and then you, and the uh, chaff flies and then you pop the wheat kernels in your mouth and eat them. Now, uh, that's the, the picture that I get here. Now, Daniel says, God tells Daniel, these kingdoms, that's the way they were. Just like chaff. They're gone. <laughs> now, uh, uh, let me go a little further. It doesn't say that here in this chapter. But, but uh, it says that our kingdom will last forever. Okay? That this stone that filled the whole earth. That's looking forward to Christ. Okay? That... that uh, kingdom that he started is going to fill the earth and and it's going to last forever that uh, it's eternal it's an eternal kingdom and uh, that kingdom started uh, back then uh Seems to me that uh, in China, I was reading uh, last week uh, one of the books that uh, Cam uh, had written about a man by the name of uh, Wei in China who uh, preached uh, the kingdom. And uh, sometime over the years, I heard somebody say that... uh, there might be as many as 100 million Christians in the land of China. Uh, there's no way of knowing that. Okay, God knows how many there are. I don't, and you don't, and nobody else does. 
we don't know how many Christians there are in China. We don't know how many there are in the U.S. Uh, we don't know how many real people that have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't know how many there are. Okay? And, and this uh, kingdom works uh, from underneath. It doesn't make a big splash like the political kingdoms of the world do. It, it, it's working in underneath. It doesn't, uh, and it shouldn't, make, try to make a big splash. Sometimes uh, there are uh, people that try to make some waves, and, and uh, that's not our business. Our kingdom is a kingdom that, uh, well, it's a little different. It's, it's an, an upside-down kingdom from the world's point of view. From our point of view, it's setting things right side up, but it's different. Turning now to Isaiah. Isaiah and the uh, ninth chapter, verses 6 and 7, very familiar verses. We just uh, came through the Christmas season, and and here's what it says, verses 6 and 7. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David, and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, uh, it will stand forever. The government will be on the shoulders of our Lord. He's the one that's the... Our king is Jesus Christ, okay? The... the uh, Kingdom is uh, increasing of his government and peace. There shall be no end to establish and with judgment and with justice. There is judgment and justice in this kingdom. And the zeal of the Lord will perform it. It's going to be done. Uh, Looking at Acts, the second chapter, where the, the uh, church is beginning. Thinking a little from, uh, from uh, Peter's message to the church in Acts chapter 2, verses 39 through 41, we read this. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his words were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. The beginning of the church. In the 13th chapter of Matthew and the... Uh, parables that Jesus taught in the 13th chapter, there's the parable of the leaven. Now there's some difference of opinion about uh, what that parable means, but I'll tell you what I think it means. I think it sees the church. It, it says a woman took three measures of meal and uh, 
and she hid leaven in it until and and it worked until the whole was leavened until it was all leavened and uh, some people see that as uh, evil uh, permeating the church but i see that as the way the church works working underneath working without show without fanfare where you don't see it uh, i said we don't know how much do you know? How much can you read in the news of the the church in China? Or how much could you read of uh, the church in the Iron Curtain countries back in the days of the Soviet Union? You didn't hear anything in the news about that. It was underneath. It was working. But I can tell you one thing. It was working. It was growing. Things were happening. I probably told you the story of uh, Alex Grover. Uh, maybe you ought to hear it again. <coughs> Alex uh, worked at CLP. I'm not talking about the young man who was the artist. I'm talking about his dad. And, and uh, uh, we had him speaking at Bethesda several evenings. One of the stories that he told was the story of uh, being in a meeting. They had called in a certain city, and there were three of these uh, traveling ministers who were to be there, and, and uh, Alex was a marked man. They had a price on his head. He was, uh, he was a wanted man. And... <clears throat> And they had these three visiting ministers there, and they were meeting in a house and in a fairly large room, I suppose, and just ready to start. And somebody said, the police are here. And they were there in force. They had a bus outside. They had that house surrounded. And they were knocking on the door. And they came in, and they uh, announced that everybody that's local is to leave. And they quizzed each person as they went out. And until they had the uh, three visiting ministers separated, they had them up in front of the uh, room there, and they were interrogating one of them. And uh, they had guards at the door, and they had guards at the yard fence outside at the gate, and there were police pretty much everywhere. I get the idea that there were several dozen of them around there. And all at once, the Spirit told Alex, you're free, you can leave. And uh, Alex hesitated. There were police everywhere. And, and, and the Spirit told him again, you're free, you can leave. And he turned and started walking. And it was just as though nobody saw him. He walked right out through the door between the guards, right out through the yard gate into the street and found a young man there. He was not familiar with the sit, this particular city and he found a young man there and said, could you take him to a, could he take him to a train station? And the young man said, yeah, he could. And he did, took Alex to a train station. When the, when the authorities, when the police found out that Alex wasn't there, they searched that house from top to bottom but he was gone. 
working underneath. God is, God is working. God is building his kingdom. And, and when I think of uh, that leaven working under that flower, I think of the way the, the, the spirit works to build the kingdom. Let's go now from defining that kingdom to uh, how you get into that kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. And uh, John 3, where Nicodemus came to uh, Jesus by night, he told him, Nicodemus, if you want to get into the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, you've got to be born again. Born again? Nicodemus couldn't get that. How could that be? And Jesus said, What is born of the flesh is flesh. Uh, but what is born of the Spirit is spirit. If you want to be born again, if you uh, want to enter the kingdom, you've got to be born of the Spirit. That's still true. Unless we're born of the Spirit, we're not part of the kingdom of God, not part of the kingdom of heaven. It's not, you're not part of that kingdom. I'm not part of that kingdom unless I have been spiritually born. There are a number of words that describe that. And I'm, I'm, I'm not telling you something different here. I'm giving you... Uh, Adjectives that describe being born again with these scriptures. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it's called being a new creation. A new creature is the word that's used in our King James. The uh, Greek word is creation, okay? A new creation. It's very similar to being born again. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. In uh, Titus... 3 and uh, verse 5, it's by the washing of regeneration and, and uh, by the renewing of the Holy Spirit and being justified by His grace. Those are phrases that are used that describe what the new birth is. In uh, Colossians, first chapter, Verses 12 through 14, if you want to read those. We are delivered from the power of darkness, translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Translated has the idea of, of taking out and putting to another place. <laughs> Moved. <clears throat> Where was I there? Colossians, uh, yes. Translated into the kingdom of his dear son. And uh, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Another phrase that describes the, the new birth. And uh, it results from and is part of the forgiveness of sins. In Ephesians, the second chapter Verses 4 and 5. But God who is rich in mercy for the, for the great love, his great love wherewith he loved us when we were dead in trespasses and sins. 
even when we were dead in trespass and sins, has quickened us, made us alive <laughs> together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Romans 12, 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. That word transformed, that's an interesting word. The, the, the word metamorphosis. That ugly old worm turning into a butterfly, that beautiful butterfly. Uh, are you... Are you, are we uh, an ugly old worm or are we a beautiful butterfly? If we're a part of the kingdom of heaven, a kingdom of God, if we're a part of this kingdom, if we're a part of Christ's kingdom, if he's our king, we have been metamorphosed. <laughs> we are renewed in the, in the spirit of our mind. In uh, Matthew 18 and verse 3, it says, Except ye be converted and become as little children, you shall in not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Except you become converted and become as little children. Now we're talking of uh, the humility. Somebody suggested about humility. Uh, if you know you've got it, you've lost it. <laughs> it's, an interesting, it's an interesting thought, an interesting thing. Christ is, our, Christ is our pattern for humility. If you would read uh, Philippians, the second chapter, and those first ten verses, it talks of uh, Christ's humility. Doesn't mean somebody that uh, is walking around with his head hanging and his corners of his mouth uh, down and, and uh, almost afraid to look somebody in the eye. That, that's not humility. The idea of humility is, uh, is being what God wants you to be. Being the person that uh, that metamorphosis has made you. Not because you think you're something great, something big, something uh, exceptional, but because you realize what God is doing and has done through you, and you're not ashamed of it. That's part of humility. Always, always, giving God the credit and the glory, never doing it for yourself. Humility is an absolute necessity. Let me talk now a little about the effect of the kingdom. Number one, in Romans 6.23, and it doesn't mention the kingdom in this uh, particular context, <clears throat> I grew up in northern Indiana, and uh, three-quarters of a mile west of the home farm ran State Route 19, north and south. The, the uh, land is laid off in square miles, and of course there are some exceptions to that where ponds and 
lakes and rivers and so on, but, but uh, basically it's laid out in square mile sections. Two miles south of uh, our road was County Road 40, and two miles south was County Road 44. Every road was uh, uh, an even number going east and west. North and south roads were odd numbers. Two miles south of us was County Road 44, and it intersected with uh, State Road 19. And at the corner of County Road 44 and State Road 19, there was a little, no, it wasn't real little, there was a pretty good-sized white-painted sign there with black letters. And I memorized that sign as a boy. It was Romans 6.23. For by grace... Nope, that's not the one. <laughs> I'll have to turn to it and uh, get started. <clears throat> For the wages of sin, the wages of sin is death. Wages. The pay. You earn pay for sin, okay? The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Effect number one. Spiritual birth into the kingdom. Number one is it gives us life. Eternal life. Christ says abundant life. <laughs> I came that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. John chapter 10, the Good Shepherd section. The gift of God. Nothing you did, Turner. Nothing I did. It was a gift given to us freely by His grace. Number two. Matthew 6.33 says all our needs are supplied. Not all our wants, but our needs. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things. What things? All that we need. Not all we want. No, he doesn't. He's not talking in, that, in those kinds of terms. But all that we need. Food, clothes, shelter, drink. What we need for life, God will supply. Everything that we need. Back to uh, that favorite kingdom verse of, that I love from John 18, 36. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, Jesus said, my servants would fight. Uh, one of, uh, one of the uh, reasons that... Uh, that this uh, kingdom takes my it takes my thought uh, it uh, 
becomes uh, a big part of uh, what I've thought about lately is uh, all the controversy that's going on in our land today and uh, a lot of church people getting involved in it. The vaxxers and the anti-vaxxers and the the politics. Jesus said, my servants don't fight. I look back on my life and, uh, and I'm ashamed of some of the fights that I have gotten into that brought shame to the kingdom, to the king and the kingdom. My servants don't fight. It's a kingdom of peace, friends. And we don't need to fight. We have no business fighting unless we're fighting the battles of the Lord and we don't fight those with carnal weapons. kingdom of peace. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth give I unto you. The world doesn't know what it is. The world has no idea. The peace that comes from a person that's at one with Jesus Christ who has made his peace with God. Who knows the peace of Jesus Christ in his heart. The world, the world has no idea what that is. One last one yet. We are happy even though we're insignificant. Remember the Beatitudes? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those people who know that they are insignificant, and yet who know the significance of the Lord that lives inside of them. Or the last uh, tenth verse there. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. (laughs) Happy. Happy are you if you uh, suffer persecution. I said one more. I I gave you two there. The kingdom of heaven. Our kingdom. The kingdom that will last eternity. All the kingdoms that were back in those days that are mentioned, chaff. The ones that have been since, chaff. The ones that are now will be chaff. The United States will pass away. Either when the Lord comes or before. Russia, China, doesn't make any difference. European Union. They are they are chaff. They're gone. This kingdom that we are a part of will stand forever. Maybe a, there, there will be future phase of the kingdom, certainly. Christ is going to come back one day. 
but this kingdom is eternal. Our lives, if we're a part of that kingdom, will never end. Jesus said, he that believeth on me shall never die. He that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. That's what he had in mind. Our kingdom is not of this world.